Okay. Alright, hey guys, so welcome to an episode of the Half Natty Scene. And uh, today we're gonna talk <laughs> we're gonna talk about a variety of topics. Uh, we've got a few actual listeners' questions come in. So we'll roll through them first initially and and then yeah we'll take it wherever it goes. We, we tend to blab, me and Valentin blab a lot on these and we do fairly well. So yes. with uh, Kevin Kevin here as well, we'll, we'll probably do, do even better I think. Um, which would be good. So um, Kevin, for anyone that doesn't actually know you yourself, just give the listeners a little bit of a, a wrap up as to sort of who you are, where you compete and uh, okay. yeah, where you're at. Um, Kevin Stütz, um, from Austria and I'm um, 27 years old, um, competing uh, like for five years now, five, six to five, uh, five to six years. Sure. And um, I started out at the NABA. Okay. And yep. then I moved up in 215 to the classic bodybuilding to the IFBB. Um, but then I got uh, back to the NABA. And it's the Naba Man One class, so it's uh, with, with height, sure. and it's like over 180 centimeters, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I also run a coaching business, an online coaching business, and uh, like the shirts we're wearing, <laughs> the brutal work clothing, yep. and also a membership site. So this is that's what you that's do. What I awesome am stuff. Doing. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So Kevin's pretty much in a very similar situation as me and Valentin, does a similar thing on a daily basis. So yeah, no, it's great to have you here and obviously it's, it's great to have trained with these guys too. Um, so yeah, we'll rock and roll straight into it. So as you can expect with every single podcast episode that we request question, questions for, uh, we'll have Ben, Ben Broadhurst put in one. I think he was pretty much first to respond to my story. He is, yeah. He's always first watching them yes. and liking them yes. and asking the questions. Yes. So, Ben, like we, we appreciate it, dude, we really do. So it's actually a really good question. So this question is both for, for you and Kevin. Um, so it's what pushes Valentin to stay natural and what pushed Kevin to use supplements and how do they view the other side? So how do you view uh, assisted bodybuilding um, and potentially how do you f- feel about sort of the natural side? So maybe sure. Valentin go first as to what okay. sort of makes you stay, stay natural and not look down the enhanced route. Sure, I think, I think sooner or later you'll just make that decision. Mm. And once you've made a decision, you just stay natural or go the enhanced route. Yes. And um, I think there's nothing wrong with either one. Like I've discussed with Kevin plenty of times. I mean, we are both fans of both sides of bodybuilding. Whether it's natural bodybuilding. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. You really don't make a differentiation there. And um, when it comes to people going the enhanced route, I think Kevin will probably touch on that. They often make the decision way too early but other than that um, for me it was I never really considered it because yep. to be quite honest I've never been around people that have been enhanced and that were educated enough to tell me about it so it wasn't really I as I learned about bodybuilding even though I knew about Mark Coleman and Chick and all those big names mm. uh, that was so far and distant away I never considered taking that route to yes. be quite yeah. and by now it's just not an option for me anymore I don't consider it so compete in the natural pro ranks and exactly. win world titles. And exactly, and be relevant there. Yeah. And um, that's really it. So I think once you make that decision and stick to that decision, that's really it for you. Sure. Really. If you don't consider the other side an option, then it's not becoming an option, right? 
So that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Kevin, yourself, your opinions? For sure, I also don't make a difference between natural or um, enhanced bodybuilding because we're all doing the same. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, training and progressing, trying to progress everything. Um, for me myself, I did like uh, when I started out in 2007. I did like uh, four to five years in natural bodybuilding. Ah, I see. And uh, but not no competitions mm, actually. Yeah, but just uh, just just training, growing, and yeah. As I got older or got into the scene, um, I just wanted to grow bigger and put my maximum potential. Uh, and yeah, that's what got me into supplements or using supplements. Mm. And just wanted to grow uh, big as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's really uh, the, the one truth yes. because I started things. And yeah, as I said, with clients, I do uh, just minimal uh, differences. Uh, Valentin and me did a video, unfortunately, in German about the differences between natural and enhanced bodybuilding mm. but there are no not the real um, highlights or like like I said the big differences yeah. you still gotta work your ass off sure even if you're natural or enhanced just uh, when it comes to diet it's like what to choose it's a little bit different uh, or a little bit more difficult sure. if you're not that um, say the fun um, Advanced, advanced yeah, yes, yeah. In, in the sport you need to have a coach if you do an enhanced prep. I think a natural prep you could actually do if you're really, um, you're really advanced trainer, uh, you could do on your own. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, definitely. But definitely it's it's good to have second eyes, I think, yeah, yeah, always. Sure. I think, I think that's actually a great point because I think very often people think enhanced bodybuilding is so much easier. Mm. They just think you're, you're supported. So by, it by, makes everything work for by, you. By chemistry, yeah. And it's actually you have to control so, so many more variables. We control nutrition training and recovery basically. They control nutrition training, recovery and the holes do a lot of things. And that just makes it quite challenging, right? To, especially during conference prep. If you don't know what you're doing, you can really mess things up. Also, as far as health goes, sure. Um, and yeah, so I think that's that's a very common mistake that people make. They think enhanced is easier. Yeah, sure. I think to give my perspective on this question as well, I think it makes a big difference in terms of your environment. So whether you're training in a gym and you're surrounded by a few good natural bodybuilders yeah, and sure. you see that that's possible, sure. you understand that you can compete in a natural show and that drugs aren't just it's not just sort of assisted side of bodybuilding yes, it's yes. not just that you know there's another yeah. plethora I think that's important too so um, that's you know that's partly why I do the content that I do yeah. is because I want to level up natural bodybuilding I want people to understand that if they are a newer competitor they can do that at least do it first like you know True. like Kevin grew in an actual phase before he decided to, to, to go the other route and that's the a big part I guess the people are moving in into supplements too early always yes yes yeah. Like we're always telling the people to, like I said, uh, um, otherwise we uh, take back the supplements or just start out when you're really advanced lifter and yes. you really want to do it. Understand your true potential first, I think, yeah. is, uh, especially like, you know, 
like Kevin, I, I view yourself as, as someone that's definitely going to get a pro card in the future. Like that's that's how I view Kevin. Um, you know the work you put in and and your consistency, dedication to this. You see a lot of people using supplements that aren't consistent and aren't dedicated. They haven't got the fucking ground level of the shit proper, and they think that you know taking supplements will get them to a level that you're at. Fuck no, it won't. Because you're you're maximising every variable, and then you're chucking in the final little sort of cherry on the top. Trying to um, just to get it. my recovery better. Yeah, I think that's that's the only part I think about when I when I think about steroids is is just to get my recovery better to get to can uh, train more intensely or yeah. more frequently. Yeah. yeah, sure. I think what you said about um, the atmosphere you you surround yourself with, the people you surround yourself with. In my opinion, the ideal atmosphere, the ideal surrounding would be having natural competitors and enhanced competitors. Yes, and everybody like being open about everything. Yes. That would be ideal. Yeah. Um, because it's this big, big, uh, big cliche that people don't talk about all the supplement side of things. And Kevin is very open about it, and I, I think that's as it should be. That's fine, because yes. everybody gets more educated about it, and everybody knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and I, I also think, um, so a topic me and uh, my friend, me and Dan Bastic were discussing the other day, I, I, it almost annoys me when people brag about being natural, like it's some sort of special thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, you know, like, you don't need to tell people, you shouldn't need to tell people you're natural. Yeah. Like, you should just work, the work be appreciated, that's and then that's, that's it. That's and, it. like, you don't need to tell people you're assisted either. You just yeah. work, you're a bodybuilder, and that's it. You're yeah. a bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, doing it for your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. 99% of people don't really fucking care if you're natural. Yeah, who gives a fuck? They really don't care. As long as you're not competing in uh, tested shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that course. goes without saying. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. other than that, nobody cares. Yeah, cool. Uh, so, Benedict asks a question on our training. So, are the three of us typically training in a similar way, or is there a huge variance in your training? I think probably I'm the outlier for this at, at the moment. At Current moment, Current time. Point, yes, yeah, yeah, because I enjoy the way we train today. For example, yeah, that yeah. has always been my approach in the past: more low to moderate volume per session mm. and having a higher frequency. Yes, and rotating through sessions like Kevin is currently doing, like have one, two, three push sessions, the same for pull, the yes. same for legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rotating that through, like the old dog rep concept, the old, the old DC approach, yes. where you just rotate through exercise and try to progressively increase. Um, push your numbers every single session. Mm. Uh, but right now, working with Cliff since the beginning of the year, I've done much, much more volume. And I can definitely say it has treated me well, but right now I can just tell that the chronically high volume is becoming burden. Yes. It's becoming a problem with like, reverse. Like any way that you take, if you go chronically high intensity, sure. you're going to reach the point yeah. where you're going to so have to rotate. Introducing a, a lower volume phase will probably be very beneficial and yeah. then ramp up the volume again. Yeah, but you can never, like I said, you can never chronically maintain a certain intensity or certain training volume. It's just not going to work long term, especially if you're training hard. Yes. So um, that's probably what I'm, what I'm the outlier here sure. regarding training. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think we think very alike as far as training goes. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know about you. But I'd agree. I'd agree on that front. Yeah. Um, thing in the past, I've fallen suit of maybe doing things like the, the slightly easier route so looking at you know what can I get away with in the gym and walk out and know that I've done the effective dose yeah but could I have done more kind of thing yeah um, that was probably my 
second proper year of training when I discovered some principles that actually probably set me back a little bit yeah. in terms of sort of gathering intensity and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, now moving back towards what what I love about training, which is you know going out, going after it. Yes. That's pretty much you know the majority of my sessions. Yes. I'd say the only thing like we did a leg session today. The only thing that I'd probably do a bit differently in that setup was something that Kevin was talking about earlier, in the fact that I'd take my accessories and I'd I'd lower the intensity down on them slightly yeah. um, and accrue more volume. Definitely. Um, so like uh, you know instead of two sets, I'd probably maybe do like four sets and leave a, a rep in reserve and just accumulate a lot of blood flow and quads kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what about you, Kevin? Are you pretty much in agreement on that? Yes, for sure. I agree with all the points. So. As I said before, it's like putting the mechanical stress first and then the metabolic stress in the end of yes. the workout. It's pretty much my style. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, load, pump. Yes. One, Get thing, you said, out one thing you said about um, doing more volume for the smaller movements, for the isolation movements, um, that makes perfect sense because you cannot just progressively train with those movements like you do with a squat or a deadlift. Sure. It's not going to work with the standing leg. Yeah, so just, just making <laughs> doing more volume there just makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, cool. So got a question from Joinall, and he asks really good question for us actually. At what stage in your lifting career, careers did you know that you wanted to become an online coach, and how did you start? So we'll take that first part of the question. There is a second part. Battery is just about to I mean, clean. Yeah, it's it's a good question, but it's also hard to pick the date to the point where that happened yeah. because it just happens naturally over time yeah, I agree. and you get more and more into into it and everybody mm -hmm. starts out by working out for different reasons but um, sooner or later you just get so deep into into the whole thing that you might consider doing it for a living yeah and then you coach probably coach a few people do personal training and stuff like that sure. and all of a sudden you realize hey there's all my coaching as well yeah and that allows me to have so many more clients and offer the same quality sure um, and that for me was when I started working with people online um, as they coaching me yeah so uh, like having having online coaches having Cliff, myself, yeah. yeah having Cliff for example etc um, that that would mean that I realized that's a real option and I can make money off that mm. something that I know about and something that I love yeah and once that was, was settled I for me, it was all in from there. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. So, my opinions on sort of when I started online coaching or when I realized I wanted to be an online coach, pretty similar to yourself, Valentin. Um, I got coached for my first prep in 2015, and I loved that sort of coaching relationship. I loved the fact he was dictating macros, dictating sort of having the check in process. Like, I, I really, really enjoyed that. So, I I initially, I think also the big part in what plays the most of the role in people coming coaches or becoming coaches is is getting asked those, those questions in the gym, those initial questions that you get asked from yeah. people when you start accruing, accruing some element of size, yes. some aesthetics and, yes. and some level of strength. Sure. Uh, especially if you train at a, sort of maybe a less known gym like, you know, for example in here, you know, you have the upper echelons of the sport, you know, so something impressive in here has to be impressive for it to be good but in, in my gym initially you know like pressing the 40 kilo dumbbells or you know you get asked questions sure. um, so that was a big part for me and then I initially helped sort of some friends and so I helped one of my closest friends and actually is still a client of mine to this day uh, Marcus and 
he wa- he just sort of followed my prep and he wanted to do a bodybuilding show and he actually ended up winning his show going to WMBF Worlds in his, in his first attempt as well um, although he didn't win it unlike myself so I keep killing I keep killing him on that one um, <laughs> but he's still got a British title which nice. is pretty cool nice. um, but yeah he uh, I, I initially helped friends charged very low rates I'm not sure what you started with but I was very low cost like, I look back at it now and I think how the fuck did I say that amount of money? Like that sure. was low cost. Sure, sure. Um, and I think that's that's important when you're initially starting is just keeping that barrier to entry very low. Yeah. yeah. Um, but not so low that people take the piss. Yeah. Because um, sure. you know, I've had I've I've had people say to me that I'm starting out coaching and charging very low prices, and people are just taking the piss. They're not checking in. Yes. Um, they they're going to other coaches. They're not following the program. Yeah. Monetary value, I think, to a degree like sort of um, goes or coincides with commitment so as monetary value builds yeah. commitment should build with it if yeah. the people are maybe not like if you're not like a totally serious bodybuilder and you're sort of intermediate advanced and sure. um, you'll commit more yeah. given that, that you're paying out more um, I think when you're advanced anyway you'll just listen regardless yeah but um, but yeah that's sort of my story um, I, like like Valentin said, I didn't really sort of wake up one morning and be like, "Fuck, uh, online coaching." I um, it was more of a progressive process. Exactly. You know, questions, questions, questions. Sure. Shit, I really like coaching. Let's yep. let's do this. Yep. Builds up um, from the questions to the online yep. coaching. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. What like what about yourself, Kevin? Like, obviously, you trained like naturally for like those well, those four five, or five years. Yes. Uh, were you coaching that in that point, or did you? Uh, what, like, where did you? What did you do before you? Did coaching? Um, I did a physiotherapy. Um, physiotherapy. University. University. Study. University. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah studying for three years. Yeah. And I finished this, but it was not my type of, like I said, uh, I wanted to make a living with this. Sure. Uh, but I still uh, uh, like to have the knowledge of this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And can put it with clients when. They have some injuries or something, and but the coaching stuff started out in 2014, where I was helping a friend too, mm. and yeah, like just to see the progress of him from the initial point to the uh, to the prep, and yeah, so I started to um, charge really low, as you mm. as you said, because uh, I thought yeah, let's see if this will happen and. Because I, I competed in 2012, a lot of people have known me uh, by this point, and yeah. Um, it's getting that notoriety, like, isn't it? A little, yeah. And then there were a lot of people who wanted my coaching, and yeah, I was really lucky with this. And so I started the business from, uh, I think, March or yeah, March or May uh, 2014. Mm. And from then on, it just grew. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah. awesome. Um, and I think it's sort of a side tangent. Um, your coach Cliff has mentioned this in a few podcasts. I think the success of the bodybuilder doesn't necessarily dictate the ability of the coach, um, because Cliff, Cliff himself, actually had quite a fucking hard getting hard time getting his pro card. It probably hasn't got the best genetics for bodybuilding, no, arguably. Um, Took it about years, but yeah. But he's a very, very, very successful. Probably one of the yeah. most successful 
bodybuilding coaches out there for a reason that he's good at coaching. Sure. Um, and you know, there's like people like Matt Jansen, we talk about him a lot and we look up to him and, and he's, you know, he's a great bodybuilder, but the people he's coaching are the genetic elite. So you question yourself, you know, why aren't the genetic elite coaching the genetic elite? It's because they don't take on board that coaching role. Yeah, you know, sure. there's a large difference between a successful athlete and a successful coach. Yes. There's only a few people out there that can be both. 100%. Um, you, can, you can, for example, I always like to use the example as from the, from the NFL, like football, American football. Mm. Um, if you look at the coaches there, most of them have never touched the football on the field. They are they're horrible athletes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But they are excellent coaches. Yeah. So there's a huge difference there. But I think it's just in the fitness scene where you see somebody and yes. you're admiring him and you're asking him questions. It's like we said, uh, our coaching is built up and in the fitness scene it's like, yeah, you see somebody and you want to be like him or you want to yeah. uh, grow muscles like him. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of coaches profit from. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which can For be a sure. huge problem, yeah. 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 A side tangent to that question as well, what are your long-term plans? Um, so, like, what do you at the end of this want to achieve like when you take off natural bodybuilding and you say okay m m I might retire now what would be that that goal for you do you know that yet to be quite honest no because so many things in natural bodybuilding are constantly changing with federation that's true yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's really hard to say because natural bodybuilding like four or five years ago was so different than it is now yeah sure um, if you look at the time when Brian Whitaker for example we often talk about him was competing or when Doug Miller was competing like 2009, stuff like that. To me, bodybuilding, natural bodybuilding felt very different than it does now. And that's just nine years from yeah, now. Sure. So I have no idea where this whole thing is going. And even though everything is getting more popular, um, the divisions that are getting more popular are probably not the divisions we are most interested in, like Max Physique or Bikini or something like that. So um, the main thing I focus on is just to be as good as I can be with right. my genetic potential. Yeah, so don't overcomplicate it or think about um, world titles or anything like that. But yeah. just push it to the limit for myself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yourself, Same. Kevin. That's uh, that's the thing for me. Uh, myself, it's nearly the same. It's just um, yeah, for sure, uh, getting the card. But mm. I don't think I will compete with the card. It's just uh, just for the business. I think mm. to be a little bit wider known. As a coach, and yeah, makes sense. so there is no real like lifetime goal, but to have the card is good for the business. Um, as I said, to be well known, and, but no real um, lifetime goal here. Yeah, sure. I mean it just shows you how realistic we are about everything because nowadays people think they get a pro card if they go into the Mr. Yeah, Olympia yeah, next, yeah. next year. Yeah, yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. My, you know, join all knows because he follows my stuff. My, my sort of immediate goal is to definitely get my WMBF card. For, for I think it's more for me. I'm very intrinsically motivated by that. Like I, I really, I want that for myself. I want, I want that achievement. Sure. Like definitely want that achievement. Sure. Um, and I think that's more so to co in, sort of co-sign the fact that I'm a good bodybuilder. Um, not that it necessarily means that, but the way in which I want to try and earn mine will be earned through a process that almost should definitely confirm that yes, I'm a good yes, body yeah. um, 
and it almost is like a but at the same time I think I'm very much in line with you guys and the fact that I want to be the best 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 version of myself Um, and I want to I think the main thing I want people to look at from my perspective is I want people to message me saying fuck like you earn what you have because they followed what I do on a daily basis in order to earn what I have. Yeah. I want people to, you know, when I, if I do or when I do earn a pro status, I want them to look at that and think, shit, that guy earned it. It wasn't given to him on the plate. Yes. Kind of thing. Yes. That's the only thing I care about is for my the manifesto of my work to look like I fucking earned it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not through any genetic potential stuff or anything like that. Yeah. Like the work yep. counted. Yep. That's, that's, that's me. That's important, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, that's probably one of the reasons why I said I have no idea where this whole thing is going. Yeah. Because getting a pro card now is very different than getting a pro card like 10 years ago. It is. It evolves so yeah. fast and pretty. Yeah. And yeah. Cool. We all done on that question? Yeah, sure. Great. So, Luca asks, in a mini cut phase, In a mini cut phase, sure. Uh, Perhaps four to six weeks during a very long off season. Okay, cool. This starts to make more sense. Yeah. Um, What adjustments do you do with training in a mini cut phase? Are we fans of running much lower volume phases during mini cuts? Do we change training drastically? Um, What's your what's your thoughts, Hamilton? Don't change training at all. Just keep training hard to try progressive lifts. There's really no match. Let the nutrition do the work, let the deficit do the work, and I mean, in four to six weeks, nothing major is going to happen. Yes. If you, if you, especially if you're fat enough to warrant it. Exactly. If you tinker around with training volumes over a four to six week period, it's not going to really make that much of a difference. Yeah. Exactly. So just keep training as you always do. I think, if anything, during a mini cup, like you'd want to keep training the same to guarantee that you're holding onto the tissue you've earned pushing up yes. and to coincide with that off the back of a mini cut if you say so let's say you, you actually do train your train, change your training for four to six weeks yeah. when you come back after those four to six weeks not only are you going to be calorically in a completely different spot recovery capacity has gone down your you know the amount of glycogen you have free-flowing glycogen is completely low yeah. um, you've also just stopped doing all the hard stuff and you've chopped out a load of shit and you're just gonna be in an awful position always um, so I think you'd be better off I think you'd actually be better off if you're gonna do anything my perspective is run four to six weeks of the diet keep training the same at the end of the diet do a deload, bring calories back up to maintenance, recover the diet fatigue, recover the training fatigue, and then push forwards and go for, go from there. What's your opinion is on, on maybe doing that, like running, I mean. I mean, running sort of a brief maintenance week and recovering the fact that you've been training the same yeah, in a large deficit? That's one way you could potentially do it, yeah, but yeah. I actually would like to maintain the same training as long as possible. Yeah, sure, you can unless just, you need to back off. Exactly, because you can just compare your lifts and with an improved body composition, nothing should really happen. Mm. Um, so, I mean, sure, there's some different weight distribution if you're really losing a lot of weight or a four weeks, six period, like a squat would maybe feel different or a deadlift. But um, it shouldn't be that crazy within that time span. Yeah, and, okay. And um, tinkering around too much with training is not something I'm 
that big of a fan of, yeah. so especially not in this deficit. Sure. Your opinion, Scammer? Um, I think with my clients, I do it like this. If I actually need a mini cut, I try to, to tell them to maintain the strength over the period of time, um, progress the lifts when you if, can. if they can, yeah. but sure, uh, should be able to uh, maintain the strength. And yeah. I think training, I wouldn't switch anything to training. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Agrees. Good stuff. Let's move on. Let's pick another question. Um, okay, pretty simple question. Actually, from one of my my, my clients, which he will get told this, but okay, he'll okay. get told three opinions. <laughs> so he's asking on show day rundown in terms of food and drink. What would we do for show day, and what variables are we thinking about when it comes to presenting the best look on stage? As far as food goes, food going in goes. Food and drink. Food and drink. Food I mean, and drink. I mean, at that point, show day, you're all, you should already be carved up. You should already yep. be fueled up. Yep. I mean, if you have to do drastic things on show day, especially for a natural competitor, that's just laughable because you're not going to do anything. You're not going to assimilate glycogen on the day, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. not like you're carb loading four hours before the show and it's going to show. So, yes. um, uh, as far as that goes, um, keep water in. Definitely keep water in. Yeah. Um, right before, right before people go on stage, I like to have them some extra salt for yeah. muscularity. Yeah. Um, drink just a little bit, but not as that much that it might affect the posing. Yeah. You go up there with a big gut. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, definitely make sure that you use foods that the client can digest really well. Yeah. Make sure of that. Um, so don't just give them a list of foods that have not eaten before. But make sure when you're working with that person and when you have meetings with that person that they can really digest the food you prescribe for and find the reason for to show them. Yeah. So those are just some broad recommendations, but that's what I usually do and I think you guys do some yeah. very similar sure. things. I think the one one thing that I would add to that, I agreeing with every single one of Valentin's points, um, the only thing that I would add is a reduction in protein significantly on the day. Yeah. Meals, if they do contain protein, will be small. Yes. Again, just to keep gastric emptying like sort of efficient or That's um, point, yeah. uh, to keep the stomach small. Yeah. This guy for context is physique. So obviously the, the stomach, the waist, the abs is very important. Yep. We have found through refeed data as well that he does tend to hold a little bit of distension. Um, even with fairly moderate food okay. um, so it's about monitoring that keeping that low so if anything he'll be uh, he'll be sort of bikini snacking on the day if I'm yeah, honest sure. Um, sure. and he'll be fully loaded to the to the, to the point of maximum sure. maximum sure. efficiency before before the day itself yeah what about yourself Kevin because obviously the, the loading process for bigger guys you know plus 100 kilos yeah. on stage completely different um, you know the food that you eat potentially leading up to show day is quite excessive what do you do on the show day itself? How does that tend to on look? On the show day itself, it's pretty similar, like Valentin said. Um, you gotta be full on show, on show day. Yeah. If you gotta do excessive things on show day, it's, it won't work out because it always blows your stomach out. Mm. If you have to eat a lot of foods, um, digestion is also a really good point. Um, the food you should try in prep at the refit days yeah. or in off season, which you digest really well. Only the foods you digest, you should take in at uh, the show day. Yeah. And um, the loading process is a bit different from the point of we're not going uh, completely out with the carbs. Yeah. Um, 
because over the 100 kgs it will be really difficult to digest the amount of carbs yes. in, the, in the week prior yes. um, to load up to the full volume. Yeah. And yeah, but otherwise, as you said, uh, the little salt before stage, um, maybe some um, aspirin. Which I've seen aspirin pre stage. Yes. Some guys also do. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people do niacin as well. Yeah, it's not, yeah. not that bad. Some or get burned through niacin as well. Like yeah, get yeah. really fucking yeah. red, <laughs> real hot. <laughs> yeah. Black pepper asterisk. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. should really try this once uh, a few weeks before if you're really in the, yeah, in the shape sure. because yeah. you cannot try it out on the show day and then yeah. like no, you're fucking up. Yeah, yeah, sure. Be bad. Yeah, cool. Sure. Yeah, no, I think I agree on all of those. Again, like what you said about sort of the pump formulas and things like that, and then aspirin, yeah. and that's really important. You know, those things can make a little bit of a difference. Um, again, like with food volume and things like that, you know, sort of faster, rapid digesting carbs are probably key. I, I like to take highly branched cyclic dextrin with me on the day. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jack Thorburn has a secret secret trick, which I'm probably not allowed to say on the podcast. Oh, 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 oh. But uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know. Okay, okay. I, I can't share it with the millions of users. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, next question. Oh uh, yeah, I'll take this one. This is this is a fairly good one. So from Jacob, he asked about maintenance phases. When would you? When would you? Or even would you run a maintenance phase? And how would you set it up if you would do one? Mm, well, potentially after going into drastic deficit, okay. I can see a maintenance maintenance phase make makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this whole conditioning for a while there. Yeah. Um, in an off season phase, are we talking about like not the end of a contest prep? Um, yeah. In an off season phase, I wouldn't really recommend yeah. maintenance phases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but after contest prep, that might make sense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. up to maintenance. Yes, yeah. And then try to have the body settle in with that new body set point. Yeah, okay. um, but it usually takes quite a while. Yes, and yeah. it probably gets tricky with most people because they just the body just wants to get back into into a surplus. Sure, sure, sure. So um, maintenance phases, maybe as far as fatigue management goes, yeah. have them more in uh, regarding training, where you just maintain training and just continue on with training. But as far as nutrition goes, I either like deficits or surplus. Yeah. Yeah, and just change the magnitude of those. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. for me as well. It's like um, I think maintenance phases or mini cuts you could use to um, get your appetite up again. This is the one thing I want to say for the enhanced ones because we're taking the food up pretty high, or even the over 100 kg bodybuilders. Um, if you have to eat like six to seven thousand calories every day. Um, there it's, it's, it's a good way to um, do those kind of maintenance or mini cut phases. Yeah. Just take take a little bit back in calories, and you will profit from that. Yeah. Really good. Agreed. Yeah, I think what we were talking about earlier as well, um, off camera, like insulin sensitivity yes. and things like that. You know, in the growth phase, when you're hammering carbohydrates, sure. you can start to see diminishing in terms of uh, diminishing returns in terms of body composition. Yeah. So when you're starting to see that, maybe maybe a phase of maintenance just to sort of increase your sensitivity to nutrients again. Maybe you're getting better pumps. 
But then, um, but then again, before going into maintenance phase to improve insulin sensitivity and all these things, you're going to need to be like, yeah, yeah, I'd rather yes, yeah, go yeah. straight into a mini cut. Yeah, yeah makes sense. Improve it even more, yeah. and then ramp things up again. Yeah, yeah. yeah because absolutely. otherwise, with maintenance phase, you're just losing time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, I think so. losing time. So I want to wait at all costs. Yeah, I think the other and this sort of maybe comes in line with people that aren't looking for maximal physique progression yeah. Yeah. is like people that have found a comfortable level at which they want to just stay um, yeah. and they want to sort of see good training benefits sure. but they don't want to maximally chase progression they don't sure. want to push the boundaries sure. of course maintenance phases but if you want to I think what we're saying the wrap up is sort of if you want to short change your progression yeah run maintenance phases yeah. you, 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 if you want to go one way one way like improve markers and things like that, get better pumps, insulin sensitivity, get in a deficit. Yeah. If you want to diet for, for any specific reason, you're going to have to hop into a deficit. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty much agreed on that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I think the one thing we could mention is um, for people with like jobs like, um, which are pretty hardworking jobs, hardworking yeah. jobs yeah, yeah. Manual labor taking like the maintenance phase to pull off the stress a little bit. Yes, yes. I think that's the only thing where maintenance phase is sure. good. I think that makes a lot of sense, just as overall stress management goes. Yeah. But if everything is at an optimal level, recovery is at an optimal level, stress levels are, are good, then why not push things? Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, one more question I think we'll cover. Sure. Um, so from James, he asks, how would you recommend a natural setup? That doesn't really matter to be honest, training's the same. But how would you recommend someone coming out of a deficit, after a prep, sorry, how would you set up their training initially when they sort of come out of a prep phase, considering, you know, let's say they got into prime contest condition, how would we exit a, a prep phase in terms of training? Mm, well, Considering that the prep was potentially very long, you're mm. very fatigued, um, bringing calories back up to maintenance so or into a slight surplus, trying to gain some body fat so you just feel better overall yeah. and get hormones back to where they should be. I mean, that takes about three to six months, but still trying to, to ignite that process yeah. as fast as possible is sure. probably good. Um, as far as training goes, I would stay on the conservative side yeah. between just hammering volume. At that point, it won't do you that much good because it's not like for a natural that's a big rebound or anything. You're not growing. It's not like you're all of a sudden you're uh, you're you're this turning into this monster again. There is the big difference between natural yeah, and enhanced. Yeah. If you're enhanced, yeah. you have a rebound like. Uh, but it also um, challenge. It's pretty challenging sure. to sure. keep that in range because it also hinders in training. Yeah. If you're having like. From one set of chest uh, chest presses, you have a pump like nothing. Yeah. You can't progress your lifts. Yeah. So I would take training a little bit on the volume side and sure. not going too heavy in the loading. Sure. Because as you said, the prep is really long, but that's the difference I think. Sure. Between natural and enhanced bodybuilding. Sure. I mean, yeah. after a long prep, you're also more prone to injury probably. That's just fatigue is chronically high. Oh yeah. And you have to be careful with training in that time period. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, to sort of back up that point, when you when you initially exit a prep phase, you're going to be very confident in your ability to get back into the gym. You're going to feel like superhuman. 
Yeah. So you're gonna feel like you can go and deadlift while you were deadlifting in the off season. Like you might feel like that. Yeah. For a moment in time when you eat your pre-workout meal, you're not there. You are not there. Yeah. Um, you're there if you want to ruin the rest of your off season. Yeah. And really fuck up your back. Yes. But yeah, I think reintroducing compounds at a nice steady pace is probably key. Um, like I, I didn't squat for a large part of my last bit of the prep. I was just hacking. And then when I got out, I was like, right, squat, let's go. And I introduced like a, a low bar back squat pretty fast. And yeah, my forearms, my neck, um, and my wrists and elbows were all screwed up sure. within a month. Sure. So yeah, just be very, very cautious in that front. Don't, don't program your training on the, on the grounds of how you feel. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, program it sensibly. Stick with a lot of the movements you've been doing in your prep, and just take the extra calories and look to progress them. I think that's what I that will, that's yeah. what I do yeah. differently sure. this time. Keep it simple. Um, just because you eat a bunch of more calories, you're not shouldn't be too euphoric about your training because no. you're, you're still the same. Yes, it's still the same. You're just a tiny bit fat. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the difference. Yeah, um, but you're not more muscular. Um, your central nervous system is not more primed by anything. Yeah. Um, so stay on the conservative side. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sure. And, um, and don't waste that period of time as well, like not from a training point of view, but from sure. a nutritional and a body composition point of view. You can quite easily piss away your time exiting a prep. You know, there is no rebound, but in the same limelight, you are in actually a prime position to grow because your body fat levels are low. Yeah. And you, you've got this now new ability to increase input through nutrition, drop sure. output through cardio, sure. and you will, you will definitely gain tissue. You'll also get regain tissue that you've lost. Definitely. Gain a load of body fat, and you just suddenly make that process probably a little bit harder. And subsequently, in the mirror, you're gonna be pretty fucking upset with what you see. Your motivation to train is gonna go down, and you're probably gonna end up not lifting for a good few months, which you see with a lot of competitors. Yes, yes. Um, they go from extremely highly motivated to pretty much not training within yeah. a flick of a show day, yeah. and that's yeah. upsetting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've pretty sure. much covered all points on that one. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you, you guys wanted to sort of discuss or chat about? I think we've got a good half an hour here. I think we're running out of time anyway. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up before we die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thanks very much, guys, thanks, for, for helping record this. Um, and yeah, any sort of questions off the back of the questions that we sort of put out today, please ask. And chat soon. Cheers, guys.